0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630
1: Chad. You're listening to inside sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
0: Thanks for tuning in tonight, uh, halfway through the second quarter in the CFL, Toronto leading Montreal 4-3 at the U.S. Open. The first round complete, Canadian Adam Hadwin has the lead. He is four under par. Six players tied for second, including Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson. A couple shots off the lead at uh, two under par. Gary Woodland, past champion. He's one under as uh, the U.S. Open continues in Massachusetts. Tomorrow, golf here in Edmonton. The ATB Classic is underway. Three-way tie for the lead. And one off the lead is the top Canadian, Edmonton's Will Bateman. Blue Jays lost 10-2 to Baltimore today. The National Hockey League setting the salary cap for the upcoming season, $82.5 million, and the salary floor is at $61 million. Okay, Edmonton Elks getting ready to go. Saturday night, home opener against Saskatchewan. Countdown to kickoff starts at 6 here on 6.30, Ched, and the game will begin at 7.30. And as you heard on Inside Sports a couple of nights ago, the Grey Cup is coming to town, which is... Pretty cool. And uh, there's a special book that's been written by Jeff McQuinney, the keeper of the Grey Cup, called Not Without My Teammates. He had a bunch of people collaborate on that book, including my next guest. I'm pleased to welcome back to the show, double E alum Jed Roberts. Jed, thanks for checking in. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me on, Reed. Yeah, I always love to speak with you, Jed. We've, we've had a lot of great chats over the years, which I always appreciate. Hey, uh, I, I know, uh, you know you're a huge sports fan, huge Edmonton supporter. I, I, you, did you go to some Oilers playoff games? Did you get to be in the building for some of that fun? Oh, yeah.
1: I went to uh, one of the home games when they played Calgary. And, man, I'll tell you what, I won't soon forget that. That was amazing. That was fun to watch. That was a good ride. You know what? I didn't think they were going to make it to the conference final. Uh, so I mean, as far as I was concerned, once they won the Battle of Alberta, it was all gravy after that.
0: Well, I was going to ask you that because I've I've asked that to a few buddies and and uh, and fans over the last couple of weeks. Well, I even asked a couple of friends when they beat Calgary. Are Are you satisfied with this season? And they said, Yeah. I said, Well, like, what if it goes bad against Colorado? They said, There's still some positives to take out of that. So you were you were pretty just pretty happy to see them beat the Flames then.
1: Yeah, I was. You know, um, they have some holes in their lineup, right? And I think that when they came up against uh, Colorado with that deep lineup they have, you know, they just – they can beat you so many different ways. And then, you know, the injuries sure didn't help, you know. And I think that they, we had a couple of guys playing on, uh, you know, Dry Dre was playing on one leg and Nurse was playing
0: through a torn uh, – um, The hip – no, have you have you yeah. ever had a torn hip flexor or any sort of hip injury? Yes, I have, and and I can't even I, I know
1: how much you use that when you're skating, so I have no idea how he did that. Like that's just you know people giving him a hard time for not making certain plays. I mean, geez, I'd, I'd love to see anybody try to do what he did, you know. And then he actually played pretty well in some of those games, especially in the uh, the clinching win in, against Calgary. Uh, on one, it's just like I can't even I can't even fathom how much pain he must have been in.
0: Now, as somebody who played pro sports. Since you're retired, does that change the way you view pro sports or do you dive into Oilers and other stuff just like uh, sort of any other fan for lack of a better – like, do you know what I'm getting at or do you sort of look at it differently and talk to other fans differently you think because you played at a high level?
1: Well, it really depends, right? Like, I mean, if something like that with injuries, like when guys are playing through stuff, I think it's a little bit more obvious um, – Yeah. When you play professional sports or you play any sport for any amount of time, and it doesn't have to be professional, but I mean, you can play at a high level. You really learn how to read body language. And uh, one of the things that stood out was, you know, you could tell when dry was hurting or you could tell when nurse was feeling and, you know, you just really have, I think, a lot of empathy when you when you got that body of work underneath you you know and so but i get the same time you know i'm a fan so i'm yelling at the referees and (laughs) shouting at the coach so you know it's a bit of a a mix of both i guess
0: (laughs) did you ever play a game in the cfl feeling totally healthy
1: no (laughs) (laughs) if
0: i'm being perfectly honest Reed, no (laughs) All right. I, I thought that might be your answer, but you don't care to elaborate. Like, even the first preseason game, did you ever be like, hey, man, I'm not in pain? <laughs> you know what?
1: I mean, I used to joke about telling my son I'm out here at football practice here in Sherwood Park, and... uh I told my son, I said, you know what, for years I never saw the back of my hand. I mean, my, but I say that, I mean, you, call, you don't see the veins in the back of your hand because you get what's a phenomenon called bad hand when you play defensive line. And he's like, what does that even mean? And I said, when you start playing football, you'll understand because you get so many bruises on the back of your hand that it's just perpetually swollen for, well, every four to six months. Well, and uh, it doesn't go down until you get through playing. So.
0: Well, the one thing when I watch football – and as you know, Jed, my athletic ability uh, never extended to the gridiron, which is probably good, because I probably wouldn't be around right now if, it, if I tried. Uh, but I, you know, I, I know when we watch football, we see the the knee injuries, unfortunately the concussions, but I'm wondering how often hands and forearms get stepped on, or crushed oh, in be, piles.
1: Yeah, you know, like I have, uh, you see my middle finger, it's bent out of like a 40-45 like degree, degree angle. And um, that's yeah, I just popped it back in and played for... Like, I never miss any time. Like, that stuff like that happens every all the time, you know? And you just... You know, you got a choice. You're either going to let it bother you and miss some time and chance somebody else taking your job, or you just suck it up and keep playing. That's just part of the... Unfortunately, that's part of uh, that level of sport. You just have to... You have to make a decision about whether... What you're willing to live with. And uh, when you get that, to that level, it's about performance. It's about... uh you know, sacrificing and, and those hockey players are unbelievable. I mean, the, with the stuff they have to endure just to make it to that level. I know everybody's always talked about like what Wayne Gretzky said when he went to the Islander dressing room after losing and he saw how beat up and bruised those guys were. And that was a bit of an eye-opening experience for him. And, that goes all across the, the, the threshold to every sport you know it's the same with basketball it's the same with football it's the same with any any anytime you get up to that level you know guys are playing through things that people the regular average Joe could only imagine you know so did a trainer
0: ever have to prevent you from playing or the old football cliche they had to hide your helmet so you wouldn't go on did that ever happen to you or did you always talk your way back onto the field
1: I was, I was, (laughs) uh, well, I'll put it this way, Reed. I played through a torn Achilles for nine, nine games. And then it finally ruptured completely and I couldn't get surgery on it unless it ruptured completely. So I was taking shots in it to freeze it up, which would wear off after the first quarter. And, uh, that was excruciating. You know, I couldn't even really run full speed. I could only, I couldn't run on my toes. I could run flat footed, but not on my toes. I mean, if you can imagine what that felt like, you know, that's, yeah, so I mean, I, I had the trainer kind of look at, it, and then when I finally ruptured it in Winnipeg, the, the trainer was crying because he knew what I'd gone through for nine games. And but you know, it is what it is, right? So you just uh, you got it, it. It's not like it's not something I'd probably care to go back and do again. But uh, at the time, it seemed like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I always love how honest you are with me, and yeah. and I know that there are, are very few people. Maybe not anyone who appreciated what you got to do for a living for as for as long as you did, and I and that leads me into your well. Tell me how you you hooked up with with Jeff McKinney for not without uh, not without my teammates that awesome book that he's got out.
1: Well, I think it was the first year that Jeff was uh, the official keeper of the Grey Cup. He came to Edmonton, and we did an appearance I think, and he had the Grey Cup and we it was for CN Rail, and I was speaking. It was a football 101. And he and I connected, and he said, hey, I, I understand that your dad's on the on the Grey Cup, and I showed him where he was, and, you know, he won in 1968 and 69, and as fate would have it, our 1993 plaque is right below the 1969 plaque. And so I'm um, me and my dad, every time I see the Grey Cup, I, I can see us, like, right next to each other, and that's forever, right? So, and we were talking about that, and then he at that point the first time i ever met him mentioned that he wanted to do this he wanted to write this book and i was like yeah yeah whatever right like people talk all the time right but he was like no no I, you don't understand i'm serious about this and then over the years he said you know the the idea took shape It, you know it was a seed and then it germinated and then it sprouted into this beautiful thing that you know we're gonna we're gonna go out to st paul school tomorrow and on the west end there in edmonton and Uh, I think Jeff, myself, and Jack Parker, Jr., we're all going to do some readings from our pages. And it's a a really neat idea, you know. It's just about uh, inclusion and making sure that everybody's included. It just makes reference to the fact that, you know, it shouldn't matter whether you're – you know, what your gender is, shouldn't matter what your, you know, any of the physical obstacles, shouldn't matter what your ethnic background is. Everybody should be included, and that's the idea, it's the spirit behind you. And I think that's that's pretty much what the Canadian Football League has always stood for. You know, we, we were the first, to, you know, there's a lot of African-American athletes that came up here in the in the 50s and 60s and because they were given a lot more opportunities to, to play the sport they loved, and they were getting down in the, in the South, particularly in the South. And, um, you know, the CFL has always been kind of ahead of the curve that way. And uh, I think Jeff, as the keeper of the club, cup, wanted to, uh, wanted to show the world, or Canada at least, uh, you know, the, the idea that the Canadian Football League is inclusive. And we wanted to reach the uh, younger j- demographics Because I feel like, you know, if this league is going to do well, we need to make sure that we're connecting with that younger demographic. Because Lord knows we've got a lot of older people that love the game. But we, if, in order for the league to survive and thrive, I might add, we need to connect with the younger demographics, so i think this is one of those efforts
0: yeah absolutely okay well i look for it so you're at the school tomorrow are you are you coming to the game on uh, saturday or are yeah, you busy coach yeah it, yeah anytime the great cups
1: in town man i always make sure i get over there to say hello to my dad you know yeah uh you know his spirits very much all over that trophy and same with jeff you know we always i got taught i was actually at a ski area and uh i was at um lake louise ran into a guy whose uh, grandfather played for toronto and uh like it was like 20s or 30s and i looked him up and it checked out and i called jeff right then and there like we keep in touch and anytime i come across somebody like that i call jeff and you know we have a little laugh about it and uh the Grey cup means a lot to me and my family and and uh anytime it's in town i'm always making sure that i i clear out my schedule so i can get out there and see my dad so i will be there
0: right on uh well let's talk a little bit about football uh they lost by 44 points Jed. You, yeah. you, uh, I mean, I, I know where they were last year. Um, I'm not expecting them to go to the Grey Cup. Uh, may, maybe I fooled myself, Jed. I, I thought a Chris Jones defense would find a way to keep it interesting. Uh, what what did you take away from that loss to BC and sort of where do they go from there now?
1: Well, you know, if you know anything about a Chris Jones defense, it's it's... It's pretty involved. Like, there's a lot of different looks. They disguise things. They send pressure from a lot of different places. Anyway, it takes a little bit, you know. And when you're talking about the CFL, you only got two preseason games, and you know, you you've you got a bit of a truncated season last year. And uh, you know, guys are this team hasn't had an, a, an opportunity. The guys haven't had an opportunity to play together. And then when you get an injury, the first or second play, one of your starting linebackers, and then you throw in the rookie and. You know, I saw that coming, and you saw a lot of. It wasn't. It was mental. It wasn't really physical. I didn't think that. I. You know, and I think that BC. We made them look a lot better than they really are. You know, I mean, I, I'm not to take anything away from Nathan Rourke. Uh, he sure played really well, but when your edge guys are continually losing contain on, on short yardage, and you know, you got guys with with mental breakdowns, so that's what's going to happen. You know, and it's going to take this team. Uh, many weeks I think to kind of get everything sort of everybody on the same page and you know when you're losing veterans like Aaron Grimes you know that's that's tough it's you can't replace guys like that right especially when you're trying to uh establish like a culture you know that's a guy that understands the you know what, what's necessary to be able to put on the, the green and gold and, and and be successful when you lose a guy like that it's very difficult to replace that but it'll take some time and i'm patient i think that uh you know the 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 guys up on the top are are turning this thing around they got it headed in the right direction and but i mean rome wasn't built in a day uh i wouldn't expect those young guys they only had two starters coming back from last year and you know that defense is pretty complicated it'll take them a few weeks to kind of get everything organized and clean up i have faith that they'll clean up their mistakes and i think they'll probably show a lot better uh, on Saturday than they did last week. <laughs> At least okay. I hope so. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, as do I. Uh, okay, and before, uh, thanks for coming on. What are you doing coaching-wise right now? I'm sorry to take you away from practice, but we'd love to oh, have no, you No on. worries. Who, who, no who worries. are you coaching, and how are you enjoying that part of your life now?
1: Uh, you know what? My, my son's playing for the Sure Park Rams, uh, Bantam. Um, he's in his first year with them. Uh, my younger son is playing for the PV team. And so uh, my wife is coaching with the Peewees, and I'm coaching with the Bantam. And, uh, you know, you only, you only get one lap in this life. You don't get a victory lap. And if you don't take advantage of the opportunities when they're given to you, you know, I'm coaching my kid. And that's a pretty cool feeling, you know. And so I'm just enjoying it, soaking it up. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. Like, it's a really well run organization and I'm really impressed. Like, Jim Skitsko uh, had a legacy of lots of success here. And, you know, he stepped away and they've got a new coach new uh program new new coach taking over uh bill is doing a good job and i just thought i'd throw my hat in the ring and you know do what i can to maybe uh to see where we can take this thing it's a lot of fun man i mean i, I can't think of anything better than you know watching your own kids learn a new skill and uh it's just uh life's rich project that's all
0: <laughs> jet always appreciate when you come on the show great energy great attitude And uh, maybe you can show me your middle finger next time we run into each other, just for the injury, not for anything else.
1: Yeah, It's it's, it's unmistakable. Once you see it, you'll never be able to get that image out of your mind.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure a lot of people would like to show me their middle finger. So, anyway, that's uh... (laughs) it.
1: <laughs> all right, it's all love. It's all
0: love, Reed. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, Jed. I do hope to see you soon. Take care, Matt. Yeah, thank you, Reed. Take care. That is Jed Roberts checking in. Uh, man, I love talking to him. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's on the show probably, I don't know, three or four times a year, and he's he's always great, and he loves life, loves football, loves his family. He's out there coaching, and he did really appreciate the chance that he got to play in the CFL and uh, win the Grey Cup in 1993 right here at Edmonton. So cool perspective from him, Talk talking injuries, talking about uh, diversity and inclusion in the Canadian Football League. And he's uh, at the school tomorrow with the Grey Cup and then coming to the home opener on Saturday night. Uh, Love having Jed on the show. Always love hearing from you as well. 780-496-0063. Again, that FIFA decision today, Uh, nothing for Edmonton. We will not host any World Cup matches in 2026. Inside Sports on Jed, back in a couple of minutes. Home for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. All right, appreciate you tuning. In. Oh, this is fuzzy. Haven't heard them for a while. Is it what's the guy again? kellen Chris Jericho, the wrestler that's the lead singer? That's him. Well, that's also Derek Scott back at the uh well, down the hallway. How are you, Derek? Welcome to 630 Chat. Thanks, Reed. Appreciate that. Derek, uh, are you being mentored by Kellen Kennedy tonight? I am. All right. Well, Kellen is a little bit—he's uh, a little bit jaded when it comes to my work. Hopefully, that won't set in for you for a little while. I heard while. that. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> All right. Uh, John writes in. He says, "Reed, you don't need the World Cup to build soccer in Alberta. If they are serious, what they need to do is." Three things. One, get FC Edmonton into Commonwealth Stadium and greatly lower ticket prices, make it easy and affordable to watch our professionals. Uh, man, I is FC Edmonton going to be around past this season? I mean, I hate to sound negative, but the Fath group did everything they could to keep that team going. They're no longer involved. I, I don't think FC Edmonton would ever play in Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, I, don't, I don't even think they get big enough crowds to fill Clark Uh, Number two, have better, more accountable coaching. In 2010, Iceland made getting the UEFA B license free for every coach. That drastically improves coaching quality of the grassroots and built a countrywide system. Our system is reliable on rolling the dice when young and hoping you get a real coach as opposed to somebody's dad. I think that's a good point. I've heard that before, that they're – aren't enough quality coaches in any sport other than hockey. Quite frankly, I've heard that, but a lot of things I do think it's improving in a lot of sports. Uh, and I, hopefully that's going to keep going in soccer. And John also says build three or four full-sized indoor pitches in both Edmonton and Calgary. We are a winter city and Edmonton only has two full-sized pitches that can be used year round. It is nowhere near enough to develop top talent. Yeah. That's probably a fair comment as well. John, I do appreciate that. Um, I think at the high, I mean John Herdman is now coaching the men's team, and he's done a great job there, which is uh, which is pretty cool. But yeah, that's the big story today. Uh, Edmonton was uh, hopeful, but ultimately not uh, successful in getting World Cup bids. Got a uh, message from Pat as well. Did anyone actually think Edmonton would get World Cup games over Vancouver? Uh, Edmonton wasn't getting in knowing the conditions the province put on the money, plus Edmonton's perceived prestige doesn't measure up to Vancouver. That is a message coming in from Pat tonight. Carter Such from your champion Edmonton Oil Kings when we get back. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.